This is episode 13 with former England batsman Robin Smith. Welcome to the Process of Success podcast. My name is Tom Scolle, former professional cricketer, now athlete, mentor, and online entrepreneur. Each week, we're going to discuss what it takes to achieve success so that you can use the tips, techniques, and tactics to become your best. Whether it's sport, business, music, relationships, or anything else, this is an insight into the minds and lives of some of the world's most successful people. Thanks for hanging out with me today. Now let's get into today's episode. Before we get into this week's episode, I want to give a shout out to one of our sponsors, TechShot. TechShot is a brilliant training device for any batter. It's been designed to help batters improve their technique by getting instant feedback on their contact point. One of the biggest issues that I see in batting is players losing their front side and as a result they push their hands at the ball, causing them to lose both power and control of the shot. Not anymore. TechShot makes you keep your shape and hit the ball with a high elbow. Former Australian opening batsman and now batting coach at the National Performance Centre, Chris Rogers, has, de- has described it as an amazing tool as it's helping some of Australia's best cricketers use their shape more. To get yourself a device, head to www.techshotcricket.com and put in the coupon code CRICKETMENTORING, all capital letters with no spaces to get a free training video that I made on how you can use it in your training. If you do purchase a device, please let me know how you go with it, as I'd love to hear your feedback. G'day legends! Welcome to this episode with arguably one of England's finest ever batsmen, Robin Smith. G'day legends! Welcome to this episode with arguably one of England's finest ever batsman, Robin Smith. Robin, or Judgy, or The Judge, as he goes by, had a fantastic career that included scoring over 26,000 first-class runs across a huge 426 first-class matches. Now, just to put that into context, as of this interview in June 2018, Steve Smith has played 118 first-class matches, Virat Kohli has played 98, and Joe Root has played 125 matches. So that's more than all of them combined. That is a lot of cricket. Judgey also played 62 test matches and 71 one-day internationals, and combined scored 6,655 international runs with 13 centuries. And before Alex Hales scored 171 against Pakistan two years ago, Judgey's 167 at Edgebaston against Australia in 1993 was the highest ever score by an English batsman. After finishing his playing days in England, Judgey moved to Perth where he, he and his children now reside. He's in the process of writing an autobiography, he's studying a psychology degree, working full-time and coaching junior cricketers, so he's certainly busy and active and he's loving giving back to the game. His passion and love for the game and his mates comes through in this interview, which I'm sure you're going to love. In this episode, we discussed how his dad would get him up out of bed at 5am every morning to practice, how he and his older brother Chris had a net in their garden, which other international players like Barry Richards and Mike Proctor would come and use to practice, how he transitioned from playing first-class cricket in South Africa to being a local player for Hampshire, the one thing his mentor said to him before his test debut and how that has always stuck with him and how a stern word from his good mate Alan Lamb allowed him to play his natural game in his test debut. 
what his technical fundamentals are for any batter, how he taught Matthew Hayden to visualize before every match, plus a whole lot more. This is an awesome episode with a legend of a bloke who I didn't even realize how good a player he was until I did my research for this interview. So let's get into this episode. G'day guys and welcome to this episode of the Process of Success podcast. I'm here today with former England great Robin Smith. Uh, now those of you, you younger viewers might not know of Robin, but he's an incredibly um, talented, uh, he was a very successful cricketer. Um, he played 62 test matches, scoring 4,236 runs at an average of 43.67 with nine test hundreds and the highest of 175. 71 one-day internationals with 2,419 runs, 426 first-class matches with 26,155 runs, and 443 list-day matches. So he is an absolute guru. Judgey, thanks very much for joining me. Tom, thank you for that very humbling introduction. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for reminding me. I haven't uh, read about that for quite some time. Well, what a career that was. What a career that was. I'm really looking forward to hearing um, your story and and how you got to where you did and where you're at now. So to start with, I'd like to take our guests back to their childhood. Um, You were born in South Africa. What what is your first memory of playing cricket and what was your childhood like? You know, uh, being brought up in South Africa, there was many advantages and uh, and and disadvantages. Um, at the time, it was uh, during the uh, the apartheid regime where uh, we were isolated from international sport, international cricket. Um, I remembered uh, only when I was thirteen, we got our first television set, which was black and white. And we never were exposed to um, international sport, international cricket. Um, so for us, it was quite insulated um, and. Uh, and, and watching the cricket, which I just adored and loved, it was only within the provinces that we played um, that I was exposed to. Um, and I guess from, uh, from an early age, um, I, you know, it wasn't televised, so you'd have to go down to you know, the Kingsmead cricket ground and, and go and watch, watch the cricket. And that's when I really first fell in love with the game from about 10 or 11. And so what age did you start playing? Um, look, I've got an older brother, Chris, who uh, played for England as well. Uh, he's five years older than I am. Uh, and because you've got an older brother, you're always sort of dragged into the sport that he's playing as well. Um, and I reckon that uh, definitely because Chris uh, started playing cricket, that's the path that, uh, that was chosen for me at the time. Not necessarily me choosing that path of playing cricket, but because Chris enjoyed the game. Um, we're playing in, you know, in the back garden, and that's where I first started uh, enjoying the game and, uh, and playing. Although I never really got much of a chance to bat, because he'd just bat all afternoon. Well, it's amazing that you then went on to be a batsman, because often the brothers, one will be a batter and one will be a yeah, bowler. Yeah. Um, so how often were you training and playing? You're, you mentioned it was in the backyard. At what age did you sort of get into competitive cricket? Um, look, we were very um, blessed being brought up in uh, South Africa. Um, you know, it was a, a great time to have been uh, uh, to have been born. I was born in 1963, and uh, through the latter years in the, the 60s and the 70s, um, we were very privileged. I do acknowledge the uh, uh, the position with apartheid. Um, we had our, our um, black garden boy and and uh, pool cleaner and and everything who who were best friends. I mean, I just had no idea about um, the position of uh, you know of black versus white or apartheid, whatever, but they were just wonderful friends. Um, and Dad in the time had a very, very successful business and quite a wealthy man and, and bought a, uh, a beautiful home and we were the very first home in a suburb called La Lucia. Um, the second home was born by uh, Gary Player, 
Um, so we had a nice big area and Dad then decided that he would build a cricket net. So we had this lovely uh, cricket net there um, on concrete and ozite these days it would be the synthetic turf but in those days it would be the ozite. Um, so we, and, uh, we had the first, the very first bowling machine introduced to South Africa. Um, was that imported from somewhere? Imported from America. Okay. Um, and uh, so we had, uh, we had the bowling machine uh, available for us and uh, Similani, our, uh, our pool cleaner, was an absolute jet on the bowling machine. And uh, so, yeah, um, we then uh, just practiced very hard and, and uh, used that opportunity in, uh, in our back garden um, and a very big area in those days. You, we had a, a nice big open space and that's where we learned our cricket. Um, and it was fantastic because Mike Proctor and Barry Richards lived uh, 500 yards away and they would come and, and use the facilities too. So it was wow. just absolutely unbelievable. Pretty good breeding ground. Yeah, oh, mate, uh, absolutely unbelievable. Yeah. And was Very your, blessed. Yeah. Was your father a big um, mentor or coach for you, or was it Chris that taught you the fundamentals? How did, how did you learn initially? Um, look, Dad uh, has never, ever picked up a cricket bat in his life, um, but just knew the fundamentals of success in life that uh, that you needed to work hard, you needed the coaches coming in um, to teach my sons um, and both sons played for England and uh, he got the very best uh, uh, guys to, uh, to teach both Chris and I. Um, one man in particular, Grayson Heath, who uh, again lived a kilometre away and he'd come down and be very influential in our early career. Um, but, but certainly Dad uh, uh, was very enthusiastic, very encouraging, but understood that he knew nothing about the game, but he just wanted his sons uh, to be the very best he, they could be. And that was then the introduction of, uh, of Grayson Heath from a very early age. So for me, it was about 10, for Chris about 14, 15, when we started taking the game seriously. Awesome. And, and then did Grayson stay a coach or a mentor for you right throughout your career or as you progressed did it change? And who, who were other influential people? Oh, I think Grayson for me um, would be, um, funny enough I'm just writing uh, an autobiography at the moment, and uh, Grayson for me, once you have that, uh, uh, that coach from an early age and he, he understands you, he knows your game, he knows your personality, he knows your emotions, he grows with you as a as a person, as a man, and as a cricketer. That is absolutely vital. You know, we, we coach. I do a little bit of coaching now. I know, um, Tom, you've uh, you know you do a lot a lot of coaching, and, and I see working next year at times. I see how you coach, and and I think it's fantastic. Um, but for you to develop these young players who are aspiring to play for. Um, grade A cricket or Western Australia or Australia, you, I think you need to be with them through that passage all the way through to the very highest and to, the, to try and help them achieve to be the very best they can be. Uh, and that's what Grayson did to me. I mean, he was there all the way through. And in fact, Dad flew uh, Grayson over every county cricket season. Uh, Dad would fly him over and he'd spend uh, a month with me going around the county cricket grounds watching me and then when I selected to play for England, um, Dad flew him over and uh, he was uh, uh, there for my first test match and, uh, and in fact it was just lovely because we were sitting, sitting in the car and driving up to uh, Yorkshire to play against the Western Indies to make my debut for, uh, for England and I was really quiet and 
usually I always say a few things, I don't say too much, but I, but I was really quiet and Grayson said, uh, he looked at me and said, he's a very philosophical man, a wonderful man. Um, and uh, he actually captain Natal, he was a very good cricketer. Um, and uh, he, um, he looked at me and said, you, um, he said how, how are you feeling? I said, well, what do you reckon, how am I feeling? I said, I'm petrified. Got Malcolm Marshall there and, you know, Curtly Ambrose and Courtney Walsh and all the guys there. And uh, he, said, um, he said, when we have a, uh, a beer at the end of the first day, play, you will come to me and you will say, in those days we had a beer, these days it's a nice bath or whatever. Yes, but it's changed a bit, yeah. But, but, uh, which is a good thing, but I always, I, I'm from old school and I always enjoyed a beer because I love talking about the game of cricket because that's where you can just learn from your peers and, and, uh, and I just think it's great. Whether you have a, a, a glass of beer or a glass of lime and soda, it makes no difference. Just have a drink with the oppo and yes. just listen to the senior players anyway, digress. So he looks at me and he said, um, I'll tell you one thing, uh, Rob, that um, when you get out, you'll come to me and say, Coach, that wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be. And I reckon that has uh, always stayed in the back of my mind because when you're watching from the side or when you're watching side on going into bat, it actually always looks a bit harder than it actually is when you're out in the middle. And he was absolutely spot on. I've always remembered that. You know, and I went to him, I said, Grace, you're absolutely right. Today, facing Marshall, he got me out um, for 37. But it wasn't as hard as I actually thought it was going to be. Mm. And it was, it was nice. So, yeah, so certainly Grayson from 10, and then I made my debut at 25 or 24, I can't remember now. But yes, it's so important for uh, to, to have that, that continuity and that consistency through um, being a coach and developing a player because later on it because a lot more you know you know psychology in the game and you need to know you know the young guys from the early age so you, you know exactly how they operate and that's i think that's paramount oh mate you've just gone into so much gold already there and we'll, we'll get into yeah. in more depth into all of that about your debut and yeah. is grayson still alive now yes he is yeah well, yeah let's and give a shout yeah. out to grayson hopefully oh, yeah. he listens to this oh, and I, I certainly hope so Grayson, he's just the uh, he's just fantastic, and and uh, he was a, a just a, a, a wonderful man, um, and uh, I just always remember, you know, before uh, before school we'd start training, and uh, maybe I digress a bit as well, but we'd start training at uh, uh, as the sun rose up across the Indian Ocean, and uh, um, Dad would set up the bowling machine, and and uh, the sun was just just rising there, and. Uh, I'd have my cap on and Grayson would run around and I'd stand there, take my cap off. Good morning, Mr. Heath. Put my cap on and we'd have an hour before school. Amazing. Um, yeah, and uh, come on, Robin, that's why I'm so, uh, that's why I'm just, at times, you know, just love my technique. Yeah. Maybe overly so, I don't know. Um, I think that's so important for younger players. And he was just keeping that shape, although he's a left-handed batsman, but he just always said, Robin, keep that shape. Yes, coach. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> um, and I, you know, and I just try and install that in, in our young kids. And and you know, with coaching, and again, I digress. It's so, it's it's hard these days because there's so many different forms of the game, and there's so many different types of techniques, and you know, and uh, and and you've got to try and adapt to different forms of the game. Twenty twenty cricket, fifty over cricket, batting for 30, 40 overs. It's very difficult in Test match cricket as well. But for me, I think it's paramount to be able to grab a technique that is going to make you successful at the highest level and that's test match cricket and then from that you can then develop your one day 
technique. So, but but lots of coaches are very different. Mm. That's just I'm an old school, brought up in the MCC coaching yes. manual. Get it right, um, and just get it right yeah. because from there you can then you can adapt to all forms of the game. Absolutely. Now we're going to go into your coaching philosophy and that in a little bit later. But going back to your childhood, what were your goals when you were a kid? You've mentioned there was no 2020, and you obviously Test cricket was the pinnacle. Was that something you mentioned? You didn't have a TV till you were 13. Was when you were 10, 11, 12, and as you did get a TV and you saw what was possible, mm, how did mm. your goals change? And when did you start to think, I want to play professional cricket? Yeah, look, we, we're, um, uh, you know, again, we weren't exposed to um, uh, a lot of international sport and television. Um, and uh, it was, it, you know, it was, we just had black and white television there and, and uh, gave us a great opportunity to go outside and, and, and play sport. Um, look, I, I um, you know, I loved all sport at, at school, so, uh, you know, I played, you know, I played a lot of cricket and during the athletic season we did athletics and I remember Dad uh, filling up the uh, the car to go down to the local school with a javelin and a shot put and, uh, you know, um, you know, and uh, we did long jump, high jump, triple jump and everything. So, you know, I did, I, I really enjoyed, rugby was my first love. I just loved rugby, rugby union, being South Africa. So, uh, you know, again, we practiced hard and, you know, and, and looking back, you know, I was a schoolboy prodigy and I broke, you know, 25 records uh, in three years at, um, you know, in the last three years of my school. As which, a rugby which, player? As, as an athlete. Athlete, okay. Um, and, um, you know, I broke the South African schools under 17 hurdles record and the South African schools under 17 shot put record. You don't often see a schoolboy doing hurdles Throwing and, and running. And, and yeah. running. Um, and people just say, well, you know, you, you were so talented, you're a genius. And, and I just worked out, you know, after a while, I thought, well, yeah, sure, I've got some ability, you know. Um, but the more, the, the harder you practice, and Dad woke me up at five o'clock every single morning, the bloke was a nightmare. I just wanted to, midwinter, I just wanted to keep on sleeping, come <laughs> in and throw the duvet back and say, come on, up, my boy. Um, and we'd go down to the local school and train. So. It was difficult to know whether or not I was more talented than everybody else, or I just put in a lot more work. Hours. And maybe it was a balance of both. Yeah. I don't know. I reckon it might have been, um, because you know it's it's hard to make somebody great if mm. you know if they don't. And, and again, if you are have wonderful talent, if you don't put the effort in, mm. you're not going to reach your potential. Um, and rugby was the same. You know, we you know goalposts. We'd sit there in, in, in the dark and I kick for goalposts and. The sun would just be rising, I'd just see the silhouette of the goalpost, and the old man would be sitting there, and occasionally I'd nail one straight, smack him on the head, and <laughs> light would go and say, Good kick, my boy. Um, and yeah, and I scored 210 points in my last season, and the next highest was seven points. Wow. You know, and uh, broke 27, you know, 100, 200, 400 shot put discus javelin, only because I trained harder than everybody else. Mm. And the same with cricket. You know, I, uh, we spent hours, uh, you know, in the mornings before school, after school. Dad wasn't great on uh, academics. Uh, in those days he had a very successful um, business in South Africa, he's a leather merchant. So if all else failed, I could then go in to run the business. So, you know, in our day it wasn't so much, you know, academics um, as it is now, and quite rightly so. It was just sport all the time. Mm -hmm. um, and the more that I practiced, the more I realized that I got better than everybody else. Yeah. Um, and it got to a stage where, you know, I broke Barry Richards' records at school. I mean, Barry, you know, arguably in Donald Braddon's uh, 
uh, autobiography. He said he was, you know, would be in his best team. And there, there's me breaking his his record. Mm. Um, I don't know what happened after that. Oh no, Barry's Barry's a bloody legend, man. He's a good mate of mine, and uh, and Barry's just out of this world. I remember I remember practicing with Barry just before um, the West Indies coming out to South Africa on, on the uh, uh, West Indies tour uh, um, d during those apartheid years, the Rebel tours. And, uh, and at 37, Barry was uh, practicing in our back garden and he had ball on, you know, coming in. I was like 17, 18, so I could play a bit. And I'd get back there, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, found it really difficult to drive. Barry would get in there effortlessly, back into line, bang off the back foot. I thought, mate, he was 37 and I was 17. I thought, how good is this bloke? Mm. He's got to be a different division. Mm. Um, but um, yeah, so in Mark Proctor, they, they always used to come down and practice in, uh, in our back garden. It was just lovely to, to yeah. watch them at, at close close range. But uh, sorry, Tom, I digress again. No, that's fine. I love hearing <laughs> these stories. No. That's what this is about. It's no, you no, take sorry, it, sorry. You take it wherever you want to take <laughs> it. Now, a number of things are, from mm. what you mentioned there. We, we sort of, as you know, we coach young sort of mm. teenage mm. kids. Mm. Mm. And often they have a number of sports that they, they, they're pursuing or they, they're good at. Were you training just cricket in the summer and rugby in the winter, or and you were doing athletes? How did you manage all three? And then, what point did cricket take over? And also, at, was there any point where your dad didn't have to wake you up at five a.m. and you thought, right, this is what I want to do, or was it always him pushing you up until you sort of made it? Yeah, no. Look, it, it certainly, uh, I reckon uh, to answer the first part of your question, there, dad would would have woken me up even to the point of my last year at school. Um, I didn't complete my schooling education um, and I finished it uh, just turned 17 and dad would have been probably still waking me up at sort of 16 and a half. 17 and a half, he still would have woken me up but I had my first season uh, in England um, and I'd come back and I just started to enjoy my uh, nightlife. And I'd get back at 4.30 in the morning from the <laughs> nightclub and, and put the duvet yeah, over me, yeah, or you're not even going to sleep, and then dad would wake up and I'd go, Oh, do you have a good night's sleep, my boy? I said, Oh, fantastic, dad, don't <laughs> be to bed yet. <laughs> but uh, um, no, so from about 17, just turned 17, dad would, would definitely be uh, in this together, get me out of bed. Um, from a point of view of uh, all mother sports, yes, I did have to during the winter. Yeah, I did work hard on my uh, rugby, which I loved, my athletics, but Dad would never let me forget about the cricket side. So we'd probably have once, once a week, an hour, for three months of the year. Um, and I'm doing a little bit of coaching now, um, not as much as you, and, and I really enjoy working next year because I think we both have the same sort of fundamentals as as, uh, as a coach and and you can see the difference you know when you're playing all year round and, and you see the young guys coming even it be just for an hour a week during the winter periods you can see how they continue to improve um, and they're going to hit the season running and that's the nice thing so um, so yeah I, I would you know, give it a little couple of weeks break two three weeks break um, and then come back you know an hour a week um, and then during that time uh, away from that, if they have a little bit of time, they can just spend there working hard on that and strengthening their uh, the wrist, the forearm, or whatever. We know that that keeping that shape is important. So, so yeah, it is important to have a little bit of a break. And they're not going to be playing as much cricket as they do during the summer. And some of them play a lot of cricket, mm. so it's nice to have a little bit of a break. Yeah. 
But if you want to take it seriously, if you want to play uh, and be the very best you can be at whatever level it is, whether it's Christchurch under 14 Bs, then, then you've got to work a little bit harder. Mm. If you want to make regional cricket, state cricket, at the end of the day, the harder you work, the more cricket you play, mm. the harder you work, the more successful you'll be. And that's not just cricket, that's Anything any walk life, of life. Yeah. That's your relationship with your partner mm. and your wife. You've got to work hard at anything you do in life. You've got to work hard. And talking about Gary Player early on, Gary Player's you know great comment is uh, you know is that the uh, the harder I practice, the harder I work, the luckier I am. Mm. I'm always convinced about that, but some people are a little luckier than others, yep. and particularly batting in such a small margin for error there. But but I reckon that you know the more you practice, the better you'll become. And cricket's batting, especially such a skill sort of base thing, it's such yeah. a technical thing, you do need to put in the volume to be able to rep reproduce it over yeah. and over again. And just very unforgiving as well, you know, um, umpires are there, they do make bad decisions, they're not, they don't, they're not cheats, but they make bad decisions. Uh, bowlers bowl, great deliveries, mm. um, you play bad shots, we all do. Mm. You know, we like our players to be positive, and if you're a positive player, you've got to make mistakes. But I think while you're batting in the middle, I mean, you've got to try and score runs. So you've got to try and hit the ball and be positive, try and get in the right position, yeah. but be positive. And if you are positive, you aren't going to get out. But I think the, one of the most important things is is learn by the mistakes you make. Yeah. You know, if you're going to be positive and play shots or whatever and you get out, then just learn by that, yeah. you know. And, and it's silly to make too many of the same mistakes time and time again. Yeah. Now, Robin's mentioned, um, for those of you listening or watching, that um, we coach in the nets next to each other down at Muleman's, and I've, uh, I've learned a great deal from having him a few metres away from me. He's obviously got his player and I've got my player, but it's, it's really great to sort of listen to him coach and, and learn from such a, a great cricketer himself. So, um, Tom, could I interrupt you there? You're the one that's done all the coaching uh, certificates. In fact, I've not done one coaching certificate. But you've you know, played the game for a long yes, time. Yes, I know, and, and sometimes it's... You know, it's hard, you know, when, uh, when, you, when you're coaching and, and you know, because when something comes quite naturally to me as a player, to try and get that like the on-drive, it's like the hardest shot in the world to practice. Um, and it's hard. And then I watch you and I see how you're doing and then I try and do it myself. But, but coaching, you know, you know, anyone who coaches certainly needs to go through those, that mm. process and those certificates and everything. But I've, I've not done so. Hang about. I'll learn it. Well, it's good that we can share some Plenty ideas and we learn off each other. Let's take a break from Robin for a minute and go back to last week's episode with young Australian gun, Will Pukowski. What did you do in the lead up to that carnival? What was your preparation and what was your mindset and what were you focusing on leading up to that carnival? I think I'd actually been struggling a bit. I'd been <coughs> hit in the head in sort of just at the start of the season, like off a strayed ball off the side of a net that had rebounded into the side of my head and I'd missed a couple of weeks. And I was sort of making my, my way back through Melbourne and batting sort of pretty low, batting five, six, seven, and sort of chipping in with scores of 15, 20 not out. And I sort of went over there and I was like, there's no point stressing about it, just go and enjoy yourself. Cause I just went, nah, I've had enough of these sort of injuries. Like it's getting a bit frustrating. So I'm just gonna go over there. I've got a lot of my best mates there. I get to captain like a really good bunch of guys and captain my state. So I'm just gonna enjoy it. and. Um, be part of the experience and yeah just yeah enjoy what Adelaide had for me and then yeah. went over there and I think I got 20 odd in the first game and sort of called dad and was sort of saying oh maybe I'd do this tomorrow with my technique and he goes nah what did you say before the tournament and I was like oh I said I'll just go over and sort of watch the ball and enjoy it keep it simple yeah and I went out the next day and sort of went with that mantra and 
got a few runs and thought, hang on a minute, maybe this actually isn't the worst theory in the world, and then was able to back it up, obviously over a, over a few days, and then thought, yeah, this is, I think, my way forward. It might have clicked <laughs> for me. <laughs> now let's get back to Robin. Now, going back to, you mentioned your first season in England. How did that come about? How did you transition from England, from South Africa to England? And then obviously you went on to play for England, which we're going to get onto in a minute. So how did you first go to England and who did you play for? Did you go and play league cricket? Did you go straight into the county system? How did that transition happen? You know, again, I've, I've been incredibly blessed through, uh, through my whole life and I've never taken, uh, never taken anything, uh, anything for granted. Um, my, uh, my brother, um, five years older than I am, he, uh, um, in those days in South Africa, you uh, had to do your military service, whether it be the police force, and he was in the police force, or uh, army, or air force, navy. And after that, he um, he loved his cricket, and he went over to um, play in for Glamorgan. Alan uh, Jones was a legend in Glamorgan who played club cricket in, in in Durban, and said to my brother, "Well, come out and play uh, play for Glamorgan," which he did in 1979. Um, and uh, they played against Hampshire at Bournemouth. Um, and he went to nick the first ball, and he didn't walk. And he got 140. Wow. And he got a lot of sledging between. Um, and that's fine. I mean, I don't endorse walking I'd either or. I just think if, you know, the umpire's there to make a decision. Um, if you think you've nicked a massive nick, then don't embarrass yourself and walk. But it's a tiny little faint edge then. Leave it up to him, because there are other times that you know that you're going to get a mouthful. Right. But just exactly. acknowledge you're going to get a, a mouthful. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, Chris got 140, um, and uh, Hampshire were looking for an overseas player in 1980, because there are two overseas players at Hampshire. One was Gordon Greenwich, and one was Malcolm Marshall. Now, was Chris an overseas player at Gore Morgan when he got that 140? Um, yes. Uh, no, he was a, a, um, correct, but playing the second team. Okay. He was only playing the second team at okay, the time. Okay. Yeah. Um, and um, so they approached Chris and said, look, we'd like you to, uh, to come and be our overseas batsman to replace Gordon Greenwich in 1980 for Hampshire. And an Australian Sean Graff was the, uh, the opening. He's uh, now the, the CEO or the something of Cricket Victoria, I think. Yes, he is. Yeah. yeah. So they, they, they played as two young blokes, overseas players for Hampshire taking over from Malcolm Marshall and Gordon Greenwich. I mean, they were both totally out of the depth, mm. but they, they, did, they did well enough. Um, and then when Chris was there, they realised that uh, both mum and dad were um, born in England. Uh, mum was born in Edinburgh and dad was born just outside Birmingham, Warsaw. And uh, we then were able to um, acquire a British passport and become British citizens. And uh, if you did that, then you could play as a lo local player. So I renounced my South African citizenship, um, spent four years qualifying to play for England as uh, a registered English player. Uh, and then in 1985, um, I was qualified to play for Hampshire as a non-overseas player and qualified to play for England. So did you play for Hampshire before you became non-qualified? I did, be I did because in 1983, um, there was the World Cup, so Malcolm Marshall and Gordon Greenwich were both with the World Cup, so I had a nice period of time as an overseas, as player. overseas player. And what age were you then? Um, 21, maybe. And now just going back, sorry to cut you off, were, was right. that on the back of performances in South Africa as a 16, 17, you broke, broke Barry Richards' record. Yeah, yeah. How did, obviously Chris is five years older, he was at Hampshire. Yeah, How did yeah. Hampshire say, 
we know you're good. Did you have to go on a trial? How did it look uh, I did. Then? I did. Sorry, uh, going back when I was 17, Chris then said to the club, um, look, I've got a younger brother, um, just finishing school. He's 17. Um, he's never been out of South Africa. Um, he's going to come over for a three-week holiday. Why not have a look at him, give him a bit of a trial? Um, and if he doesn't cut it, then he'll, he can go back to South Africa, no problem at all. But during the three-week period, uh, the club were impressed and uh, they offered me a four-year contract. Wow. So that was at 17. And, and during the off-season, I would then go back and play for Natal yep. at the time, first. which is the first team, the first side Natal, which yep. is equivalent to the Warriors. So you made your first-class debut for Natal? Yes, I did. Okay. Uh, Mike Proctor was my captain. Wow. Barry Richards played on the same side, all my coaches. Yeah, right. Um, I was playing the same side as them, and uh, you wouldn't know, but Vincent van der Bale and Titch Smith and all these guys, and Paddy Cliff, who played for Leicestershire, um, all these guys were my, my coaches. Right. They were my life, and then I came into the dressing room, and, uh, and they were there awesome. as, as, as my teammates. Awesome. Yeah. So for six months of the year, I'd play for Natal, and then during the, um, during the winter in the Southern Hemisphere, I'd go and play cricket in the Northern Hemisphere for Hampshire in the Hampshire second team. But when I got opportunities in the first as team, an as an overseas player, then I would uh, then I'd play. In 1984 as well, there was England uh, West Indies tour of uh, England, and we were without Malcolm Marshall and Gordon Greenwich, and I played quite a bit in 1984 as the overseas player. But in 1985, I was in qualified, mm -hmm. and that's when I played with Gordon and Malcolm on the same side for a few years after. Wow. So, mm -hmm. just something that I think a lot of young people struggle with is the step up to the next level, and then the expectation that comes, the pressure people put on themselves. Yeah, yeah. How yeah. did you find it? A sort of going into playing first class cricket for Natal, and also then going and playing for Hampshire. Did you always believe that you belonged at that level? Did you have that belief? Or were no, you sort of no, slid a self-doubt and then I, how, how did you I, feel? I have all through my life, I've always had self-doubt. You know, this big bravado walking in and throwing the bat around and, and being quite, you know, strong. I, I, I've never, ever um, believed in, in, uh, in myself and backed myself. Um, and that's very, something very difficult. I mean, that's just not your makeup in life. It's, it's hard to change, you know. It's hard to change from a humble bloke, you know, and I think I am, to, you know, to a really confident, positive bloke. So I mean, look, I'm, I'm, I'm confident after you give me three or four beers, I'm brilliant. But in the social light, in the sober light of day, I don't have that self-belief. Um, and, and, yeah, um, and sure, the, the more... Um, success that I got in the field, then I started to believe a bit more in myself, but it was very, very difficult because yeah. I'm not naturally a confident bloke. So it was a gradual thing, you, you performed, the belief grew a bit, then you performed a yeah, bit more. Yeah, and, and I was very lucky because I had, I had some really wonderful uh, mentors who really pumped my tyres up, you know. They really gave me all the, uh, all the encouragement and, and somebody there who I'd love to mention now was a massive uh, had a massive impact in, in my life as Alan Lamb. Um, Lammy for me was just out of this world. Mm. You know, from a technical point of view, Grayson Heath early on, but from a point of view of bringing out the best of me and going out there and, and expressing myself and throwing caution to the wind uh, and, uh, and not being worried about getting out, is Lammy was just fantastic. How did you do that? What did he do to bring that out in you? Oh, you know, we could go on for the next five hours, but, but just 
to cut it short, I remembered walking out to bat um, against the West Indies at Headingley on my debut, and Lammy was batting, um, and Malcolm Marshall was bowling, and um, you know I sort of pondered around for the first few balls, and, and lovely story. Malcolm said, first ball I'm going to bowl to you is going to be a nice because I played with him; he's my teammate." The mm. so first ball I'm going to bowl to you. And this was your first ball in Test cricket. Yeah. And so you're facing up against Malcolm, yeah. your teammate. Wow. Yeah. And he said, gentle half volley, or first, first couple of balls, gentle half volley, get yourself forward, smack it. He said, four of, you know, four of my career statistics is neither here nor there. But, you know. To help you out, help, help me out. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, is this a double bluff? Yes, that must have gone through. Yeah, Why yeah. is he going to bounce me first yeah, ball? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you get down there. Caught that pan, so, so, so I was just waiting on the back foot, waiting for the short one just to get there. And I thought that's even going to be better if I get there and smack it over the week of six. The gentle half volume of stub and wait on the back foot. Oh, I came down into He wasn't him. mine. No, he wasn't. He did that to Paul Terry too. Wow. Um, anyway, uh, cut a long story short, after about three or four overs, you know, I was really playing tentatively and defensively. And Lammy came up to me and said, Hey, he said, mate, what are you doing? I said, well, what do you mean, what am I doing? He said, you were selected in the side because you're an attacking, aggressive player. He said, you just, you know, you ch you've changed. You're not, you're, not, you're not the player that's been selected to play in the side. Go out. This I'm is in the middle of the, in an the over, middle. in between yeah, overs? In, in between overs. He said, judge him, mate, be positive. He said, these guys, you're good enough. These guys aren't going to get you out. Play your positive, proper shots. That's why you were selected to play in the England, seat, in the England side now. Not because, you know, you're really pushing and prodding. Get out there and smack it. And he was right, mm. you know. And uh, anyway, he pulled, we put in 100. Yep. He pulled a hamstring, got out. I got out. Marshall got me out LBW. Oh. Sorry. Sorry. Marshall got me LBW. I thought it was going down, as all best men do. Yeah. <laughs> but he ran down the wicket. Hey. But uh, anyway, Mac, Mac and I, you know, I'm just... One wonderful friends, and we had formed a, a magnificent uh, friendship. And it was just lovely that when he died, um, unfortunately at 43, um, I was one of those who put him in the grave. Oh, lovely! Which lovely. is so nice. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so it's amazing that someone like Lammy just—it's just that one bit of advice yeah, that can yeah. just remind you or trigger Absolutely, something. Yeah, yeah. You get selected, and, and and then I took it back when I was captain of Hampshire first team, and and the guys were coming through from the Hampshire second team and they're playing the first team um, and, uh, and, I, and I said to everybody, I said, look, at, when I took over from captain, I think there was, and it happened with me in my international career, um, I thought there's too much chopping and changing and guys came in, they're a little bit too much under pressure. Um, there's enough pressure as it is to go and score runs, but you don't want to be playing for your position. So I said, right when I took over, I said, when you get into the side, you, you know, you're going to get a good run. You're going to get five or six games, a good run in the side. So come in and play naturally. That's why we've selected you from the Hampshire second team to be in the first team, to come and play as you did in the Hampshire second mm. team. So come, you've got, you've got a good run mm. in the side. And those who fail, you know that you're going to have time mm. out of the team. And whenever these guys came in, I always remembered Lammy as well. Um, and these guys came in and they, and they played differently from the second team to the first team. Uh, when it doesn't so make sense. It doesn't make sense. And you'll find this as well, playing in, you know, playing in grade second team to the first team. Well, why play any differently? Why play differently to grade A to the Warriors or Warriors to Australia? I mean, mm. it's, all a, it's all a mental mental thing, isn't it? And it's backing you what, you, what you're good at. It's yeah. trusting yourself. Trusting yourself. And if, you've if you put the work in, 
then you can't trust yourself. And I think it's really important for the leaders of the group, the captain and the coach, yeah, to yeah. back like you yeah. did, yeah. like Lammy put instilled in you, to back that Absolutely. player. Because in, in my case, I was successful for Middlesex second yeah. team as an attacking yeah. player, yeah. hitting square of the wicket. Yeah. And then I went into the first team and I thought I had to be able to play down the ground and I tried Classic. to change everything Classic. that made me successful. Classic. And it, it really did my mindset in the way and then I lost my confidence. I didn't know where I was scoring my runs. I'd gone away from everything and it, and it did have a big impact on Absolutely. who I was as a player. And so Definitely. that's oh, no, something you're I so always right. try and now as well. You're so right. Got to back yeah. their strengths. Yeah, definitely. So right. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, you've mentioned your England debut with batting with Lammy and you scored 37. Marshall got you out. How did you find the pressure? You mentioned travelling in the car on the way up. You were, you were tense and quiet. How did you find the added pressure, not just in your debut, but in general, how did you find the added pressure of test cricket? Oh, look, pre pressure, I think, is, is something that uh, you create yourself as well. You know, I, I think you should go out there and embrace, you know, embrace the, uh, um, the crowd and, and go out there and enjoy. You know, this is a great stage. This is what you work hard all your life. So it's getting your, your, your mental frame of mind to just enjoy the occasion, enjoy the atmosphere, enjoy the intensity, um, and try not to think about failure. Mm. You know, I always try and be philosophical and not just think, well, you got to get naught. Well, there's a lot more worse things happening around the world. I mean, you just have to watch the news every night, you know, for an hour, and you just think, well, I'm pretty you know, Stephen gee, I'm position. lucky. I'm lucky to be here, man. You know, if I get out for naught, well, so be it. Is that something you? thought and um, focused on throughout your whole life no, having grown up I, in Savia or was that something that someone tried to teach you or how did something, that come Something that I started learning myself okay. and it's a great thing hindsight isn't it, it's a great thing wisdom, it's a great thing growing older because then you just wish that you had these thoughts when you were younger coming through um, so you try to install the thoughts but you know but, but travelling through the journey of life you, you start learning these things, start appreciating life a little bit more, start appreciating how lucky we were. Mm. Not being precious, not being putting too much pressure on yourself, just understanding how lucky we are to be in this position and go out and make the most of it. Now if you put the hard work in from 12 or 13, I was just coaching um, a couple of young blokes this morning who I'm absolutely convinced that they will play at the highest level, um, but it starts on a Sunday morning working hard so you've got you prepare you've got to put on all this preparation and then when you get a bit, a bit you know down the track then it starts to become a little bit more mental because you could get 200 blokes in australia get them on the bowling machine as you know they'll play the cover drive square cut the same as 200 blokes mm. but who are the so guys is that together there's on only the day. five of them play for australia mm. or seven play for australia mm. and why is that well why is that is because the way they'll be able to control the rest of their life, mm. control the way they walk out to bat, control their mind, control their um, the concentration, control visualization. All these things mm. are absolutely. absolutely paramount to make you the very, control your emotions, mm. control your anxiety. Mm. These things, because I mean, these guys play well, they get down the middle, they play differently. I mean, absolutely. why? It's, it's tough, it's hard, but you've got to, You've got to try and play the same. Mm. Very, very great points. And that's, as you know, that's something I'm massive on. That, and you mentioned about having wisdom and learning as you get older. And that's really a, a big reason I'm, I'm interviewing people like yourself mm. And, mm. and doing what I'm doing to mm. try and 
help the younger generation mm. understand and mm. fast track their development. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we will get into the mindset and all of the, the emotional um, stuff very shortly. But um, at the height of your success, when you were playing for England, you were going, well, you were as good as anyone in the world. Um, now, what were you doing, can, if you go back into that time, what were you doing when you were playing at your best? Hey, Tom, it's a long time ago. <laughs> I can remember no. that. <laughs> um, oh, look, I, I, I just... I just reckon that, uh, and again, everyone's different. Um, I don't like players getting caught in the crease. You know, I just think you've got to use the depth of the crease and you've got to come forward. And I know it's difficult, um, picking length is hard, but for me, when I was playing at my best, I used the crease. If it was short, I got back. If it was full, I got forward. If in doubt, and I made a mistake, I got forward. Mm. Because for me, if I got forward and I made a mistake, I could always get out of it. If I, got, if I was caught in the crease, made a mistake, I swung in, bowled, LBW, yeah, caught behind, you're in trouble. That, that's the way I played. My head was always steady over the ball, really over the ball, rather than getting that side, which was a fault of mine. I used to get that, and we know that if you get that side, just your foot gets two inches there, and because your pad's in the way, you start playing in front of your pad across the line. And that's how you get out. one of the biggest issues with any young player. It's hard. Any player at any, any It's hard. Mm. It's the, the hardest thing in the world. So that's what I had to try and do. There's always pressing forward without committing forward, without lunging forward, looking to get forward, but keeping that head nice and balanced, nice and steady over the ball. Um, and trying to play straight. Yeah. And what about other, other parts of your life? Were you in a good place outside of cricket and... Were things sort of mentally and emotionally you were, you were well, or was it a case of maybe things weren't going well and cricket was your escape? How, You'll like, have to read my autobiography. I for can't that. wait. I can't <laughs> wait. Um, Don't give away too many secrets. No, look, it, it, it's important to get your life sorted yep. because, you know, I mean, if you've got a good structured life um, and a good disciplined life and a happy life, that's obviously going to um, come through in, in your in your cricket because um, as a cricketer. Um, you, you're going out there to express your personality, mm. um, or you try to. Um, so you, uh, yeah, you try to get everything sorted. You try to clear your mind, so when you go out, you have you know you, you've cleared that mind. Although uh, that's a difficult thing to do, particularly with me. Um, <laughs> I think everyone but, uh, struggles with that to some extent. Yeah, I think so. Um, but yeah, just to make it, try and make it as, as simple as possible. But if you, if you, and I see the young guys you're working with, if you do put in um, that hard work and, and, and batting is so unforgiving, you know, you just got no margin for error. You know, but if you continue to work and you work hard the right things and you continue to persevere and keep working hard, you will be more successful than anybody else. And that's not just batting, that's in any walk of your life. Um, and just learn from your mistakes and make less mistakes than any other batter. Mm. You know, we all make mistakes in life, and yes, we want to make mistakes because that's the only way we can learn. Um, but the ones that continue to make the same mistakes either through life outside the game or batting, those are the ones that aren't going to be yeah. as successful as, as the ones that should be. Just make mistakes, great, we learn from it. We'll make the same mistake again, but try not to make it too often. And so how, how do you coach now, and how did you deal with a mistake in the moment? So something that I see a lot with my players mm -hmm. is, 
they get frustrated. Oh. And that frustration then oh. hinders the rest of their, oh. their performance. I mean, have, yeah, Tom, you're absolutely right. Um, and and sometimes when I see them playing a bad shot, I'll actually stop the bowling machine. I'll go down and say, look, what's happened's happened. And I know that sometimes the parents, then I love the parents getting involved mm. because they've, they've got to be there too. Absolutely, they and can reinforce to, what yes, you're teaching. Yes, they can, and they can, they can learn too as well. Um, and that's great. I mean, I don't really want to take over as a coach, <laughs> no. but they need to learn and understand the game. And, and the encouragement is fantastic. I mean, yeah. you need, if you're going to get to the highest level, you need your, your, your mom and dad there to support you and your sister and your sibling to support you all the way. So it's nice for them to, to learn as well. Um, and I'll stop the and I say, look, you know, forget what, what's happened's happened. You can't bring it back. Just focus, refocus, align yourself, take a deep breath. As a batsman, you control the pace of the game. Don't be forced to face the next ball if you're not ready. Step aside, go down to a bit of gardening, top your bloody shoelace, do whatever, but only take the next ball when you are ready. Mm. And forget what's happened. You can't bring that back. Just focus on, on the next ball. That's all you can do. And don't and, and just understand that people make mistakes. Absolutely. Understand that we can't we can't play to perfection. No. There's no way because every single ball is different. You'll face two hundred balls in nets and every single ball will be different. It'll come out the machine slightly slower, be wider, shorter, straighter, who knows, swing a bit. Every ball is different. And you know to nail it in the middle of the bat, you've got to hit it like that in the middle of the bat. If you just hit it one centimetre or one inch to the left or right, you know, if you don't lock that rest in, it's going to, you know, you're not going to hit the ball properly and it's hard. Mm. Batting is bloody tough. You've got to hit thousands of balls to get it right mm. and don't, don't get frustrated. Absolutely. Don't, don't worry about it. One of the things that I've started to talk to my players about and as I've listened to good players and over the last few years is that you have to become comfortable batting at 80% of your best or yeah. 70% of your best or 40% of your Absolutely. best because if you are always striving for 100% mm. of your best, mm. Mm. one miss hit mm. and you've got that perfection, mm. has to, mm. you'll feel bad about mm. yourself mm. and then you mm. almost give up your, your mm. net or your innings. Mm. And so yeah. Steve Smith mentioned that during the last Ashes. He said, I probably wasn't at my best, but I was in a good mental space. Yeah. And then yeah. they did yeah. dissected that and he said that it was that he wasn't hitting the ball at his mm, best, but mm, mentally mm, he was mm, not making mm, mistakes. Mm. And, and you know, definitely, I mean, we, we always know we've got to strive to be the best. You know, we shoot for the stars and we miss the stars, we land on the moon. And we all know that we've always got to try and be the very best we can be. Um, and I was listening to uh, a couple of days ago coaching as well, and, and the bloke I wasn't watching, I was trying to concentrate on, on, on my young guy, but uh, I heard you say out of the right-hand side of my ear that the, he obviously wasn't having a particularly good session. And you said, well, how, how are you going to get out of it now? You know, mm. and, and you've got to work yourself out of Problem play. solving. Yeah, yeah, because you can't, you can't always go in and just cream it and just play as well and get better and better and better every session. That's just not possible. But when you do play badly, Graham Gooch, great uh, England player, 47,000 first-class runs, he said to me, um, I would far prefer to see a player getting 100 when he's played badly than see somebody getting 100 when he's played magnificently. And if you think about that, that's actually, that's true as well, because if you play badly and get 100, how solid have you been mentally mm. to be able to score 100 when you played badly. Everybody can score 50 and 60 when you're playing well, but when you're actually playing badly, then you've got to work hard to get that 50, 60. And I think that's what separates the great players yeah, yeah. from the average players. Because yeah. like you say, 
everyone can score 100 on their day. Yeah. But if they have 10 bad days and they don't score anything in between, yeah. the, the yeah. good players, the very best players, yeah. find a way they, on they that find day. A way. And I heard you saying, find a, you've got to find a way. Mm. Simple. Don't go for those big blasting shots because it's just not your day. Work away mm. to get over that. Mm. No, I thought I'd heard that. I thought, good on you, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, now, back, going back to your England days and your career, how did, what did you do? I, I know, um, similar to me, myself, you enjoy socialising, you enjoy um, spending time with people. Maybe, but Maybe too much. But what did you do to get away from cricket? Because it's a big thing. It's such a consuming thing at yeah, times. Yeah, what did you do yeah. to get away? Oh, look, I had, uh, I had children reasonably early on in my life. Uh, so for me to get away, I spent a lot of time with, uh, um, with my magnificent son and beautiful daughter. So I spent a lot of time with them. Um, we lived in a great place in, uh, in, in, in Hampshire, the New Forest, so I used to go for lots of long walks with my dog and, and, um, and they just happened to be the local about 100 yards from home, so I used to pop in there for a couple of beers. Nice. But um, yeah, I, I, um, everyone is different, people read books, you know, but you do have to try at some stage, just as you'll just get a brain freeze mm. if you start thinking, overcomplicating things too much. Mm and starting in too intense about the game. You know, you've got to be passionate about the game. Mm. You've got to love it, you've got to be, you've got to work hard, but don't get too passionate about it. Don't get too, you know. And if your brain never switches off, it's hard to then be fully focused uh, when yeah, you're at I, cricket. Yeah, I, I think so, definitely. Yeah, without doubt, you need, you need to break away. You need to read some of these Great books up here. <laughs> yeah, Chris Rogers, that's the one good uh, one. Read that. Shout out to Buck. So, yeah, um, hey Buck, I don't know Buck very well, but anyway. Um, and that's something that has come through in all the, the this is mm. the 13th interview I've done now, and um, everyone has something different. I know some yeah. players have said they like to go surfing and whatever, yeah. but whatever it is, um, as, as yeah. young cricketers, you need to try and find yeah. something that interests you yeah. outside of cricket to switch off. I, no, I de I de definitely. That, that is uh, very important to have. Uh, outside interests, mm. um, whether or not it's uh, getting involved in, um, in a little charity maybe, mm. or doing something, but um, I, that, that's what took me outside and won't go into it. I, I spent a huge amount of my time involved in charity in England, um, but I did spend a lot of time with, with, uh, with Harrison and Margot, and that for me was a, a great release. Excellent, excellent, you're a good man. Uh, well, you try and be the best you can, you know, and, and, we can and, do. and well, in, in life, you know, just, uh, you know, people say, well, what do you reckon? Just treat people how you'd like to be treated, yeah. you know, work hard and, and, and be good. Be the best you can be, whether it's in the nets or as a bloke, yeah. just yeah. be the best you can be. And something I'm big on recently is just being kind to yourself as well and realising yes. you mentioned yeah, about yeah. mistakes. If yeah, people, yeah. We're human oh, beings, we make beat, mistakes. Don't beat yourself up too much. Exactly. You, know? you cannot. It's a tough game. And the more you practice, the harder you work, the less mistakes you'll make. I mean, it's just simple. You go to, you go to school, you work hard, you know, you, you're going to get your 80%. But you also have to be patient because I know, um, you would know this as well, very well, that the harder you work, often the more pressure you put on yourself to get results. So you need to be patient. A a a absolutely. In the long term, you'll yeah. be much better. Yeah, yeah. But if you've 
failed twice, and this yep, is something yep, that's very yep, common. Yep, we get lots yep. of messages about this. You yep. haven't scored runs for two weekends. You go to the nets and you hit every day for two hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The next time you walk out the bat, you've got yep. subconsciously you've yes. got more pressure more on because oh, you've committed more time and more. Yeah, yeah. Rather and than then, just being and then, and then, uh, correct. And then you feel as if you owe something to your, you know, your parents. Maybe you're under pressure. Not that the parents put no. uh, the kids under any pressure, not at all. But you just feel that they're paying for their tuition and uh, you know they're not scoring runs and they put themselves under excess uh, pressure as well and they haven't scored and so yes again it just it's a be, long you've term got to be patient exactly you've got, a, to be, you've got to understand you'll improve over the long term but be yeah. patient in the short term a absolutely and and yes it'll the, the tide will turn yeah. you know and, and might not be in in a couple of uh, matches but just be aware that if you're putting too much pressure on yourself and you have too much anxiety and you're trying to do the right thing by, you know, by mom and dad who want you to do well, and of course they want you to do well. But the real great parents are, are, are there. They're not going to give you a hard time if you don't. Mm. They just, they want to see you do well because, you know, it breaks their heart as much as the kids if, mm. if you don't because they know how important it is for the kids. But just. Just chill. Be kind to just yourself. be kind. Just mm. chill, and just continue to do the right things. Because if it's, you know, before Christmas or after Christmas, it'll come good, mm. or next season. But you keep doing the right things, you will become better than anyone else. Absolutely. I heard um, a, f a friend of mine mention that Marcus North, who he, when we were young, Marcus North was playing at Bayswood, and he said the same thing. Doesn't matter if he gets a duck because he yeah. knows he's getting better. He knows he's putting yeah. in the work yeah. and getting yeah. better. And I've heard that now over and over from everyone. Yeah, but yeah. And everyone's so worried about getting naught at two or three. I mean, I'd rather get I'd rather get naught than you know struggle for ten. Mm. When people say, "Well, at ten at least you've got ten. Oh, mate, I'd rather get naught. Mm. I mean, why struggle around for ten? Just get yeah. naught and get out of there. Yeah. Now um, you've played with and against some of the world's greatest cricketers, you've mentioned that some of them already. Um, someone we haven't spoken about is Warney, um, good friend of yours. And oh, obviously please don't speak to about me. Uh, obviously, um, <laughs> one of the world's greatest cricketers ever. Yeah. What? Not just Warney, but what is it about um, some, these um, elite, the world's best cricketers that you've seen as a common trait, and what makes Warney so special? Oh, look, I think what, what made Warney so special, with, without doubt, um, was his consistency. As a, as a leg spinner, we know that they're going to bowl bad balls. Like McGill, great. I mean, turn the ball more than warning, but he bowled a bad ball and over. And if you're good enough, you're going to smack it for four. You get his wickets, but at least you would, you know, get a reprieve then hitting a bad ball for four. Or he just bowled very few bad balls. He really didn't. Mm. I mean, played at Hampshire when I was captain and for three years, and I would field him at off, and he bowled very few bad balls. He used to bowl me in the nets. And I used to say, "Warning, other net mate," because he just he just got me out every third ball. <laughs> so, well, why, why do I have to go to the other net? I said, "Warning, because mate, I'm going to walk out this net a gibbering bloody wreck." Okay, I'm batting in three hours' time. I want to feel confident. Naff off to the other net. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, you got to learn, have you? I said, "No, I don't have to learn facing you." Maybe ten years ago, but next net. And I was captain at the time, so he listened. What do you think made him so consistent? Was it just no, hours practice? Of no, he yeah. practiced. You know, people always think they'll surf a beach bum from St. Kilda. Mate, I tell you what, he worked hard. Mm. He practiced hard. He used to sit there for hours, just you know, just in in his front room, just spinning it up, spinning it up. No, he practiced hard. You don't get that good, Absolutely even if you not. are talented, if you don't 
put the work in. Absolutely. And I, mm. I heard him speak once and he said that he'd never leave a session without sort of finishing off feeling good. No, if no. If it took two hours, he'd do yeah, be yeah. there for two hours. No, no, absolutely. And, uh, and again, he thought about the game. He analysed the game really well. Mm. You know, he, um, he talked about the game. Um, and he just learned very quickly. Mm. Uh, and again, uh, you know, talking about, you know, the, the younger players these days, and I know things are very different. Um, and they, at the end of the day, play the Marco for a run or an ice bath or whatever, which is all go to the gym and loosen, loosen the downs and all that, which is brilliant. In my day, we used to go and have a drink with the opposition. Um, and I'd, I'd target the umpires. Mm. I'd go and speak to the umpires and say, look, you know, oh, it's falling down again. Why, um, you know, what, why did I get out today? Why was I, and umpires are great, and usually wow. they, they're usually um, ex-cricketers, and they have got the best position in the world. Um, and I just said, well, you know, why am I not timing it all, you know? And, and you can learn so much. But, you know, a lot of cricketers give the alarm, umpires will not worry about them. But, mate, you can learn plenty of them and the senior players. You don't have to go be too heavily involved in a, in, a, in a group of senior players. You just go and sit on the outside and just listen. Listen. Listen to these guys talk. You know, mm -hmm. you sit down there listen to Graham Pollock and Clive Rice and Sylvester Clark and Elvin Kalicharan and Mike Proctor and Barry Richards and Alan Lamb sitting there and just listening and absorbing all this information. Mm. It might have been over a beer, but maybe I should have had a lime and soda rather than a beer. No, but that's what was so great about that generation. Yeah, and I've heard yeah. older cricketers talk about it, and it's mm. it's sort of training and teaching your intellectual and mm -hmm. sort of you're, you're learning rather mm -hmm. than mm -hmm. I think now it's so focused on maintaining your body and it's about ice baths and, and yeah, Gatorades yeah, yeah. and everything. Which is great. Yeah, absolutely. But don't forget about, about understanding and learning, yeah. learning about the game and speaking to, uh, you know, the, these guys um, and learning about the game, mm. you know, what did, you know, what did I get and, you know, Gladstone Smallwood, you know, I go and speak to him at the end of the day and he said, oh, I'm at a bolt today, this is how I'm going to get you out. Mm. You know, and you learn, you learn by that, you know. Absolutely. It's fascinating to hear you target the umpires. What a great thing, because that's something oh, not many, yeah. I've never heard anyone say that. That's, that's really no. interesting. Well, and also make sure you buy them a beer. Yeah. So then they because, don't give you out. <laughs> because if in doubt, it'll always go my way. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. The rule of reciprocity. And also, I always say to the bowlers as well, go and speak to, why aren't you getting enough LBWs? I mean, I don't know, I'm in fielding a bloody gully. Yeah. But go and, if you reckon that, you know, you, you, you're not getting as many LBW decisions as you would like, yeah. then go and speak to the umpires. Some of these blokes have played test cricket. Yeah, yeah. English umpires are fantastic. Mm. Go and speak to them and find out, are you coming to one at the crease or... You know, or, or what? Why, why aren't you getting the decisions that you should, you think you should mm. be getting? Are you bowling a little bit back of the length, not bowling full enough or whatever? Mm. Go and speak to these guys because they sit there for seven hours a day, they're watching okay, yeah. cricket all they the time. Know, go and speak to them. They know the game very well. Yeah. And don't sledge an umpire because next time you go for an LBW, you sledge them, you're going to be all no, not out. Correct. Go and buy them a beer and say, uh, next one. <laughs> Maybe, uh, I don't know, but of course there's, there's not, but it just, yeah. I know, umpires do their very best. So. Now, what, el what else in some of the world, other world's best players that you've, you've played with and against, what are some common traits that you've, you've seen in the world's best players? Backing their own ability, my hero is Viv Richards, um, and uh, yeah, I think, I think w without, without being uh, arrogant, I think there's a nice balance there between arrogance and humility. Um, and if you can find that balance, then I think you've got, uh, you've got a right with that nice confidence. So 
be arrogant enough to think that you are good enough to be out there in the middle, arrogant enough to think that you can hit a bad ball for or dominate the bowler, but then also be humble enough to understand that the bowler is good enough to get you out mm. and will bowl a bad ball and play every ball in its merit. Mm. And then maybe you'll get that nice balance of confidence. Mm. But these guys, yeah, I mean, you know, the, the good players in life and maybe even out of life, the people that seem to have a bit more confidence mm. than, than anyone else and, and, uh, and, and try, even if you don't feel confident, will try and look as yeah. if you're confident because that too sends a message to the bowler. That, and my sort of big thing that I've started to learn and I've started to believe is that it's the belief in your ability that sits underneath the confidence and mm, confidence mm. fluctuates mm, mm. when you don't have full belief in yourself and yeah, I think yeah. the very best players believe they're good enough against anyone, anywhere, yeah. anytime. Yeah, but also Tom, what you're doing is uh, feeding these 200 balls to every guy um, in your coaching sessions and the more you hit the ball in the middle, the more you get into good positions, the more you strike the ball cleanly, the more belief. you're going to start believing yourself. Mm, absolutely, it ought to, yeah, it chain does. reaction. It does, yeah. Now, um, we're going to probably have to wrap up soon, but we've got so much gold already. Now, just going into is your there, mindset. Is there, is, there, is there a pub open? <laughs> we'll be there <laughs> shortly. Joking, but joking. Going into your mindset, when you were playing, did you do any form of mental conditioning? Um, look, yes, I did, without doubt. Um, my uh, Going back to, to Chris, my brother, who's always been mentally a lot more disciplined, a lot tougher, um, and uh, certainly didn't have the the talent as I did, um, and uh, and we had worked together a, a, a lot at Hampshire. We'd shoot balls to each other, and I was playing in Hampshire's second team, um, and he was playing for England, just gone to the England side, and in the nets, man, I was bet I was playing Hampshire's second team. He was playing for England, and I was better than he was, and I always had to put the bowling machine down slightly when he went in, and I just thought there's got to be a reason why, and the reason why was because of his mental strength. Mm. And that didn't just happen, that came through disciplining your mind, reading books on the psychology of the game, and don't underestimate the power of the mind. Powers of positive thinking, all these things, think and grow rich, which might be involved in business or whatever, but it's the power of the mind. It's the visualization, you can visualize, imagine. You can play your innings before actually going out there and batting. Mm. That's why I used to go out in the middle and, uh, and spend 15 minutes in the middle 10 minutes either side, absorbing the atmosphere at Lords, having a look around, having a look at, you know, and putting so when, yourself in that yeah, environment yeah. before and, and it actually And before it happens, happens and, and, and knowing the bowlers I'm going to face. So when I eventually walked out, then, you know, I felt that I'd been there, you know, earlier on. So it wasn't new to me because I'd, I'd absorbed the atmosphere watching made everybody walk and made, made it real. And, uh, and I said to Matthew Hayden when he first joined Hampshire, when I was playing at Hampshire, Matthew came and, uh, and played for Hampshire, and you might have seen Matthew do that before, him going out to bat, and I introduced that to Matthew, mm. because I thought it was important. We mm. used to go sit out there together, mm. and we used to battle a lot together for Hampshire. And, you know, we used to visualize, watch, you know, he's a swing bowler, he's, he's gonna bowl quick, he's gonna bowl from the center, maybe I just won't get as far forward, or he's gonna turn on the third day, it's gonna turn outside, at the footmarks and how am I going to play and whatever. So every time you go to bat, just visualize and, and, and just see you batting, you know? Mm. Anyway, it's going a little deeper. No, but that's but, brilliant. Uh, but that's, that, brilliant. That's, uh, that's, what, that's what I think players should be doing, mm. but it's underrated and most coaches don't teach it. 
most coaches just say, here's, here's this, and then you have to figure that stuff out mm. on yourself. But it, I think you telling that and describing mm. it in such detail, I think... But, but again, if you're going for an interview, you know, at, you know, at a job interview, I mean, you've got to replay that interview over and over in your mind, the mm. questions that might be asked, and speak fluently and freely and walk in there with an air of confidence and sit down rather than not preparing. I mean, such an old phrase, isn't it? I mean, you don't prepare, prepare to fail. Mm. Uh, you've got, preparation is, is mm. not just getting the nets and smacking a few. Mm. Preparation is a lot deeper than that. Mm. Absolutely. And, and, and exciting and fun. Yeah. yeah fun to, to, to operate the mind, mm. to and think deeper into the, into the soul, into the mind. And for those listeners and, and viewers, um, Judge is actually doing a psychology degree at the moment. I, I am. Well, talking about the mind, I wanted to find a little bit more about my mind. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I just, I just think it's a, it's a very powerful tool. Um, there's a, there's a lot of people out there at the moment that need, mm. that struggling with mental health, and I, I just like to understand a little bit more about it and to try and help a bit more. And maybe, you know, I could finish off with. You know, focusing on sports psychology, but um, <clears throat> but the power of the mind for me is uh, is something really exciting. Mm. And I've got to a stage in my life where, yeah, I just need something different. I need mm. to get out of my little comfort zone. I need to to work hard and to mm. to and stretch the mind. That's something I've learned since mm. my sort of professional days is mm. the power of the mind because mm. I trained and mm. my mm. physical mm. skills really hard, but mm. never trained my mind or my emotion and. You can see behind us all these books mm, now that mm, mm. I love consuming information and knowledge yeah, about yeah. how it works and yeah. why people are successful. And there's a common yeah. trait, there's a common theme that everyone does understand themselves. They understand their mind, their mm, thoughts, mm, their emotion, mm. and that allows them to perform at their mm, best. Mm. Um, so, and you can never stop learning as well. No. You know, it's just, you know, we look back, you know, my career and I just think, oh, if only I knew this at 22, mm. you know, and, and, that, and you need to go through the passage of life to learn. Mm. But, you know, we just look back and you can look back, you know, 10 years prior and you think, oh, if I could have only done this differently. Um, but, you know, we, we do go through life learning and it's just a shame that when we reckon that we just about know everything about cricket, we're just a little bit too old to do anything about it. Yeah, <laughs> and that's what I think, like what you're doing with young players now and what I'm trying just to so do is mentoring learn. is just helping them learn yeah, quicker, yeah, learn from quicker. your mistakes yeah, and yeah, your yeah, absolutely. lessons. Ab absolutely, Tom. And I, what I think you're doing is just fantastic. I think, you. I think you're great. Um, not watch your uh, podcast, but I will do now, especially this one, and I hope that I've embarrassed myself, but, uh, but I enjoyed coaching and watching you coach, and uh, just fundamentally you've got to get things right, and, and maybe I'm not criticising coaches, and, and I just hope that with the introduction of 2020 cricket, uh, and the shorter form of the game, which is terribly exciting, which I just love watching, but don't forget the fundamentals of the game. Mm. Don't forget to that great technique because you can always adjust. Having good technique, you can always then become a great 2020 cricketer. Yeah. You can't the other way around. No. If you start learning at, 20, at, at 11, 12, 13 to play the shorter version of the game, you will never be able to play at the highest level. Mm. Very, very important. Now, when you were playing, did you have a mental routine before balls? That's something I try and instill and teach my players is to not say do this, do that, but say mm. you've got to come up with a mental routine that allows you to narrow your focus and get your attention onto the present ball because I think that's the greatest mm. skill mm. as a batsman mm. is to not have your mind on the run rate or the s who's watching mm. or mm. what the opposition is saying or thinking <coughs> and just being able to focus on that ball and allow yourself and your skills to then 
<coughs> perform at its best. Did you yeah. have a mental routine? Uh, very much like you just said, you know, um, you've got to try and switch off after you've played a good or bad shot, you know, a good shot, you've again got to switch off because maybe the next the next ball don't get too carried away and uh, about playing another great expansive attacking shot because the next ball might be good enough to get you out. Um, but you're right, try and somehow switch off, go and do a bit of gardening, um, and as the bowler turns to uh, to run in, then uh, then then you focus. And uh, and certainly in the days that we played against Pakistan, <coughs> excuse me, we had to watch really closely that reverse swing with Wakar, Yunus and Wazi Makram. We had to watch so closely. So you were totally zoned in and watching that hand coming up where the, the rough side was and ball coming over. You had to watch it really closely. So you had to be so channeled and difficult when they're running in. Then they got a bit sharp at the end and they started covering up that. But but you've, you've got to try and relax, yeah, and just, you know, try and... Did you have a mantra or anything? Like a lot of people say, watch the ball. Sort of some people say, where's the ball? Win this ball. What? D just head, head for okay. me. And uh, I, naturally, I watched the ball. Just Just head. Yep. Just got there, just watching because I know that that was my fault. I yep. knew I played across my pad, and again I played through mid wicket reasonably well, but my head, I yep. had to get my head, yep. and and because as well I cut well, um, but that too your strength can be a weakness, mm. and I thought at times I used to cut a little bit too close, so head and look to play straight, yep. get off the back foot because when you're playing with the back foot. It's so much easier then to get into the cut position to, mm. to play the cut shot. But always look to, if you look to, to play the cut shot, if it's your strength, you're looking to cut. And if it's too close, you either cut and get chopped on, or you try and play the back foot. It's difficult then to adjust. But look to play straight, and when it is wide, then you're in that great position to accelerate through the So Looking to play straight, but always also looking for your strengths as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, now, how did you, um, you obviously played against Malcolm Marshall and some of the, was him and Wakar and some of the world's best and fastest bowlers. How did you, did you ever feel scared or how did you deal with fear? A lot of people get scared, so young players get scared of the ball. As we get older, mm. we get scared of failing. Mm. Fear comes in all shapes and sizes. How did yeah. you sort of deal with, with fear? What, you reckon fear? I mean, did you ever watch a documentary with Prince Harry going into Afghanistan with the, you know, looking around there in, in the battlefields of Afghanistan and our, uh, Iraq. I haven't seen that, Mate, no, that's, that's, that's different fear. gravy, yeah. That's fear. So it wasn't fear. No, fear getting, getting hit by ball. Hmm. Is that fear? Nah. If, that, if you worry about that, don't worry about playing. Absolutely. Don't worry about playing the game. I mean, these days you've got to, I mean, you know, I didn't have a grill, um, but they've got a grill, you've got arm guards, chest guards. Mate, if you feel, just go and play down the road, go and play some play bowls. Some tennis ball cricket, yeah. yeah, don't don't bother. Yeah. Don't bother playing. You can't have fear. Yeah. No. Just go and enjoy it. No, I mean, you can't, can no, you? No, absolutely. But I, I think mean, you've I got to know. learn to deal with it. I think a lot of people well, will always well, have some... Well, you get hit, it's, yeah. it's, it's going to hurt. Mm. So, you know, where's the problem? I, I, I don't... I, I don't. just got to accept it. I don't have much mm. sympathy there. Just go out and then, you know, just go and headbutt the ball. Yeah. I mean, you know, you've got your helmet these days, great helmets. Mm. Don't. Fear? No. Okay. Well, I don't know. If you have fear, I don't know how you get over fear. I, I never, I never feared. Yeah. So I... What I've, about fear in of fact, failure? I've, I've, oh, no, that's different. Fear of being, you asked me about fear of being hit. Yeah, but also... Fear of failure is... No, that's a different... That? Oh, that, that, that's, no, that's tough. Yeah. That's tough. That's uh, and how did you trying to live up, uh, the, uh, live up to the expectations of your parents or the people or your peers and people want you to do well and you know you fear of failing not necessarily for yourself but for, for others and just realize that if you put the hard work in 
and they know that you worked hard, you never need to fear. If you don't put the preparation in, then fear failure. Mm. But if everybody else can see you working hard and doing and trying to be the very best you can be, never fear because all your mates, all your peers, your parents, everybody who you have to answer to will support you all the way. Never fear if you put the work in. Fear if you haven't. Mm. Taking shortcuts. Mm. Um, and when you were confronted with a downturn or, downturn or a sort of a string of low scores, how did you get out of that and how did you gain belief back in yourself? I'd have to phone Lammy. Right. Hey, China, you're a good <laughs> player, man. You know, green comes to the top, eh? Keep doing the right things. Just go out there and give it a smack, China. Put the phone down. Well, there you go. Lammy. That's, that's, um, that's a good mentor, just knowing what to say when you need it. Yeah. Excellent. Now, before we wrap up, you, we've mentioned a few times about your coaching. Actually, um, sorry, going back to that. Was, uh, but, but yeah, just going, trying to go back um, and, uh, and remembering w w when you scored runs, what you did mm. well. So, you know, so when we, uh, when we talk about having a, a good innings, go home that night, analyse your innings. You know, why, 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 why did I play well today? Um, and if you can't remember, jot down a few things. And, and if you didn't play that well that day, well, what did you feel that you did differently? Mm. So, you know, cricket's batting is actually, it's, it's a thinking man's game. Absolutely. You know, and you've got to think about your game, not just when you're playing well, but when you, when you had a little bit of a tough time, go and think about, analyze your innings. You know, um, you might play, you know, if you, want to, if you want to average 45 in your career, well, spend, a few hours at the end of the season or halfway through the season and analyze the way how many runs you got from a particular shot and whether you got out to that shot and if you score more than 45 runs or 40 whatever you want to average then you continue playing the shot if you don't either give the shot away or work hard at the shot mm. but you know don't just because the shot looks pretty and you get 22 off the shot then don't play it mm. So, so there's a lot knowing of thought, your knowing your game and actually thinking about it yeah. a lot, as you just said earlier. Yeah. Um, and into your coaching, how do you now, and obviously we coach next to each other a lot of the time, but how do you manage teaching a young player um, the mental and technical aspects? Do you sort of, sort of, I've seen you do it, you talk a bit about sort of mindset and game plan, but it's primarily focused on technique at this stage? It, it is, for, for the, the young guys that I coach, um, and if their dads would prefer to go elsewhere to another coach, I am absolutely paramount on a good technique. Um, I do like the young guys to express themselves, not to worry about getting out, to strike the ball. I was a good striker of the ball. I like to see the ball being hit, mm. but I do like to get in good positions and, and uh, have a good technique. And what are the fundamentals you teach for anyone listening? Obviously I know, but what are your fundamentals you uh, try to teach? Look, I, I just think that, you know, firstly, moving your feet. Whether If it's short, you've got to get back. If it's pitched up, you've got to get forward. Try not to get caught in the crease. Easier said than done. You know, it's like behind the bowling machine. Easy, isn't it? <laughs> when we're down the other end, it's a lot harder. Um, always try and get your head in line. I mean, if this is your camera computer here, if, you know, if the ball's there or if the ball's there and your head's here and the ball's there, then, you know, you're going you're gonna to struggle to hit it consistently. Quick um, question, what do you think comes first? Head goes to the ball and foot follows or foot goes to the ball and head follows or do they go It de it, it really depends on the coach and depends um, what is easier for the young guy to achieve. Okay. 
but ultimately they have to get in the same position. So some young, yeah, you're absolutely right, but it depends on, on what's easier for them to achieve. You can either get your foot to the ball and then you are going to be in position or you can lead with that. Yeah. And then that's going to get your foot in the right position. Yeah. So it just depends right. on, I think, on, on how, how they pick it up and, and how, how they move how, how they, yeah. yeah. Um, but, but, but just that left elbow. Just that great little technique that you've got there, little the tech there, shot. That yeah, which you should, uh, which I saw Michael Slater um, using. I saw you operating with yesterday. Brilliant. That just keeps the shape. Yeah, keeps and just and, and nice high elbow. My um, coach always used to say we didn't have that. He said um, he said Robin. He said you love your hot potatoes, don't you? I said I love a hot potato. So just imagine a hot potato under your armpit, and if you break that, you're going to burn your armpit. I went, wow. good idea. So hot potato there. Just keep it there. Just keep it there. Keep it there, and just lock that that wrist in. Because a lot of the younger blokes, they don't have strength in that that wrist. And and I know, of course, if you want to play it square, but if it if it hits in the middle of the bat, it's great. If it just on the left or right, because they don't have that strength, it just mm. opens it up a little bit. They don't hit it as flush. So just keep that locked in. Strength there. There. Head behind the ball and drive through and don't be frightened yeah. of the ball. Um, now just as we look to wrap up, it's been an absolutely great um, interview, we've learnt so much, um, but what, what for the viewers, what's next for you? You've obviously got the book coming out, you're doing the psychology, what is the, what's next for you? Um, oh, what's next for me, I mean look I've got you know, a few years of hard work through uh, trying to achieve what I'd like to do with my uh, psychology degree. Um, I work for my brother. I really enjoy it. Um, I'll continue to uh, to work hard for him. I love my coaching. I don't take on too much, but I absolutely adore the young guys I coach. Um, and just generally in life, to be the very best I can be. Mm. You know, just be sensitive, thoughtful, and just just be good. Mm. Just try and be as good as as you can be, and treat everybody. Um, I'd like to be treated and, and be a good father. And I love my kids. Excellent. And if all of our listeners and viewers can try and live that sort of life and those sort of philosophies, we're going to have a really good world just trying to be the best oh, you can be. Yeah, just, I mean, we all make mistakes, mm. you know, and just make sure that we learn by the mistakes and, and just make sure that, you know, that you're not nasty, mm. you know, and just, just be good. Just, yeah. be nice. just be nice. It's not hard. No. It's not hard to be nice. Mm. Good manners. Just be nice. So when you buy a drink for me later, I will thank you. Looking forward to it. Thank you, Tom. Good manners. (laughs) (laughs) I learned that from my guests. Now, where can we, where can our viewers find out more about your book? What's, do you have a title yet? When's it going to be released? Obviously, there's some things you won't um, Mm -hmm. disclose. But when when can these guys look forward to to seeing your autobiography? Um, I look well. It'll be um, published in in England uh, in about May next year, just before. The, uh, the Ashes series and, uh, and the World Cup in the next year. And guys, we'll be, uh, we'll be making sure we publicise that through our community as well because it'll be a fascinating read. Um, Judgey, final three questions I ask everyone. Um, you might have already covered this, but what's the best piece of advice you ever received? Um, listen. What's that saying? We've got two ears and one mouth. Yeah. <laughs> just listen and uh, and yeah, just as as Grayson said to me, you know, whenever you go and do something, and you're prepared, 
you just know that you walk out of there, whether it's a speech in the drama class at school or whatever, you just walk out and you think, actually, that wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Mm. So that's, that was a great bit of advice. Absolutely. What is your definition of success? Um, the harder you work, the more you put into anything in life, the more you'll get out. The harder you work, the better you'll become, again, in anything you choose to do. Yeah. And finally, why did you play cricket? Oh, the old man told me to play. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you keep playing? Um, I kept playing because my brother was playing and he wanted me to bowl to him. Um, <laughs> I kept playing, oh look, because I was starting, I was, I was starting to practice, I was starting to, uh, to score runs and, and obviously uh, uh, the more runs I scored, the more I started enjoying the game and that's why I fell in love with the game. But I wouldn't have scored the runs had I not put in a bit of practice beforehand. But like anything, the more success we have at something, then the more enthusiastic and excited we are about that. Mm. And that only comes through hard work. So I suppose, yeah, I mean, yeah, hard work and, and, and then I got enthusiastic about playing. Awesome. Well, guys, what a fascinating um, interview with such a great man, a great cricketer, and now becoming a great coach. So I hope you guys have all learnt something from that. I certainly did. Judgey, thank you so uh, much for your time. Thank you so much, Tom. Really thank appreciate you. it. Thanks, guys. Well, legends, I hope you enjoyed this episode with the judge. Robin Smith has a fantastic record as a batter and will go down as a great player. I've got to know him a bit in the last year or so and have really enjoyed working alongside him here in Perth. He is now an excellent coach and mentor, and I can't wait to read his book when it's published in May 2019. I have no doubt it's going to be a brilliant read and will share a very, very interesting story of Judgey's life. I loved hearing all the stories involving other great international players that started right from his childhood. If you enjoyed it or learned something, then please share it with your friends and on your social media pages. Remember to tag me at Skulls5 as I'd love to hear your thoughts. Also, please subscribe to our YouTube channel, Cricket Mentoring, where there will be a video of this interview. Thanks again for giving up your time in your busy life to join me for this episode. I hope you've enjoyed it, learned something from it, and realized that anything is possible if you put in the work. Now it's time to go out and get it done, legends.